0: Pastor Xavier Rees illustrating the consequences of carnality.
1: The proverb in Proverbs 6.27 says, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not get burned? Such is sin and compromise, carnality. Do you or I think that we are sufficient to do such a compromise and to commit such a lifestyle, and yet that we can escape the consequences of that choice? Certainly not.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We recognize a wedding vow as a man and woman pledging to forsake all others for the rest of their lives. But did you know that God takes the relationship between Him and His followers just as serious in that He considers it spiritual adultery for the believer to maintain a relationship with the things of the world? In fact, the simple truth from the letter of James is that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Let's listen now as Pastor Xavier continues a study from James chapter 4 titled, Marks of Carnality.
1: James in chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 provides for us three important things about a carnal Christian. James has in mind a group of people in the church that are very carnal, they're living for themselves. Listen for yourself. He says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires to, for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers, adulteresses, Do you not know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy. But he gives more grace, therefore, he says. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Three things... James tells us about a carnal Christian. The first is found in verses 1 through 3. He is dominated by his sin nature. Now when we speak of the old sin nature, we are talking about that fallen, depraved nature that only allows man to sin. He can do nothing but sin. But when we came to Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we obtain a new divine nature. It means that now we have the ability to live above the sin of the world. But at the same time, though we have the ability not to sin now as Christians, we must never forget that the old man, the old sin nature is ever present with me. Now, the first thing we note here about the carnal Christian who is dominated by his old sin nature is that he lives in a constant condition of warring in the energies of the flesh. Where do wars and fightings come from among you? The reference to war means a chronic, a a constant condition. Though he has accepted Christ as his Savior, he still has control of his life and he does not submit to the Lordship of Christ. The carnal Christian also, he lives in a constant condition of seeking pleasure that war in his members. For he says, do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? You see, he lives for pleasure that which appeals his flesh, that which feels good, that which brings him satisfaction. He lives his life by seeking pleasure, not by seeking God. But thirdly, because he lives in his fear of carnality daily, the fightings and wars continue. It's an ongoing process. He says you fight and war. The end of verse 2 and verse 3 It says that he lives out of fellowship with God. And this is probably the most devastating. He says that he does not have because he does not ask. And he asks but doesn't receive because he asks amiss that it may be spent on his own pleasures. First of all, he knows that he's in sin. He knows he's not right with God. He's running his own life. So he doesn't dare come before the throne of grace because he knows that sin hinders his relationship with God. A carnal Christian is out of fellowship with God always. You see, the carnal believer is dominated by his old sin nature. And that's where he lives. But not only is he dominated by his old sin nature, but he is drawn to the world. Verse 4 says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship of the world is an enemy to God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Unfaithfulness. We are married to Christ. It's an Old Testament metaphor that is found throughout. Isaiah 54, 5 says, For your maker is your husband. Jeremiah 3, 8 says that God gave Israel a writing of divorce. You see, when we are drawn to the world and we are living for the world, then we are committing spiritual adultery with Christ. Jesus says, "You are a wicked and adulterous generation." To those men of the day, Paul says, "Be careful that you are not seduced by subtlety, as Satan seduced Eve, for you are a chaste virgin unto Christ." And so we need to recognize that if we are living in our carnality, then we are being unfaithful to Christ. Even as if we were be unfaithful to our husband or our wife, it would be a marked pain. Mark destruction so as we commit this to Christ. But not only is he said to be an adulterer, he has allowed his friendship of the world to cloud his mind. Look at verse 4. Do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? The word know is the word which means intuitive knowledge that which was so clear, so crystal clear, there was no doubt, there was no arguing about it at one time, has become clouded. And because of the continuous condition and callousness, he has to be reminded that this very friendship of the world is enmity to God. And so there has been a delusion, there's been a, 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 a compromise There's been a subtle deception and seduction. But didn't Jesus warn us in the parable of the the cares of the world, the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13 verse 22? He says, be careful of the cares of the world. The seed falls and it chokes them. The cares of the world will choke the word of life. What are some of your cares? Are you worried about your job? How about your retirement? How about the kids? How about a house? How about the mortgage payment? Cares of the world. That doesn't mean they're not legitimate, but don't let them consume you or be so preoccupied with them that you begin to live apart from Christ instead of in Christ Jesus. Paul tells the Corinthians that we are to have the lightest touch on the world, using the world but not abusing it. We live in the world. We are part of this world, but we are not of it. In other words, we don't live under the same standards. This carnal man also has made himself an enemy to God by the decision he's made. Look at the end of verse 4. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Is he talking to a non-believer? You better read again. He's talking to a believer. A believer, an enemy of God? Yes, by your choice. By my choice. If I'm not living for him, I'm against him. If he's not Lord, then I am. No man can serve two masters, Jesus said. He didn't say you can't have them. He says you can't serve them. You'll love the one and hate the other. The whole world lies in wickedness, 1 John tells us. But 1 John also tells us that we overcome the world and the wickedness of the world by our faith our faith in Christ Jesus. Demas forsook Paul having loved the present world, 2 Timothy 4.10 says. You know, as I look back, I can recall men of God who were used tremendously. And yet, these men began a steady and continuous walk of carnality to where now today they are nowhere close to the life of Christ. Very subtle thing. I hope you're not like that frog that is put into the pan with water. Water being cool, it sits there. You put the temperature up very slowly, and it's so progressive, so slow that the frog could not discern the heat of the temperature, and has sat there and boiled to death. Such a sin and compromise, carnality. Proverb in Proverbs 6.27 says, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not get burned? Do you or I think that we are sufficient to do such a compromise and to commit such a lifestyle and yet that we can escape the consequences of that choice? Certainly not. God says He will not let us get away. He loves us too much. And so the carnal believer not only is dominated by a sin nature, but the carnal believer is drawn to the world. It just seems that everything grabs him, and he just cannot make a stand for Christ. He's going back and forth, roller coaster. But if you will notice, if you look at the life of a carnal Christian, they are feeding the old man. You know, it's like the Indian. They said, you know, he had these two dogs, and they fought all the time, a black one and a white one. And the guy said, "Well, who wins?" I said, "The one I feed the most. Who are you feeding? Are you reading Playboy? Are you read, are you are you seeing pornographic material? Are you always making preparation for your flesh? And then you wonder why you're having problems? Are you so dead set in your profession that you never read the Word of God? Who are you feeding the most? That's who's going to be the strongest." And therefore, James tells us that the carnal Christian is also disobedient to the Holy Spirit in verse 5 and 6. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, The Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? The believer is told in Ephesians 4.30 not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to bring pain. If I tell my children to do something or not to do something and they disobey it brings pain to my heart then it brings pain to their rear (laughs) but first it brings pain to my heart when I grieve the Holy Spirit it brings pain to the heart of God and then God brings pain to my life He will deal with me Hebrews 12 says that he chastens those he loves. He scourges. Look up that word for yourself. It's not a loving little, oh, you silly little boy, get back on track. Uh Uh-uh. He means business. This carnal Christian is without excuse for God has placed within him the comforter. It's in his heart that's why he asked the question, do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells the Corinthians. First John 2, 1 John 2.1 says that we have a lawyer for the defense, the Holy Spirit, the para kaleo. Para alongside kaleo to call out. He is the lawyer for the defense. He lives in us. He empowers us. He is the representative of Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 16, and 17, I will send you another Comforter. Two words in the Greek for another. The word that is used there is another one just like me. Jesus never allowed the disciples to be in sin. He always led them away from sin. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to sin. The Holy Spirit will always lead you away from sin. And so the carnal Christian has no excuse for his carnality. Now, the scripture that he's quoting here cannot be found in the Old Testament. Many believe that he is just making implications to the principle that can be found throughout scripture, that God is a jealous God. You find it in Deuteronomy, you find it in Exodus, you find it in Zechariah, you find it throughout the scriptures. Some believe that the reference to scripture in verse 5 refers to the scripture in verse 6 of Proverbs. Either way, it makes no difference. The teaching is clear. A carnal Christian has no excuse because he is grieving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who tells him, don't do that. You remember David? He went out on his balcony, he looked out and he saw this naked lady out there. I am positive that the minute he saw that lady's nakedness, the Spirit of God told him, David, either get in your room or go to battle. But he didn't pay attention. He pondered it in his mind. He called the servant and says, Hey, go get that woman. God quickened him and checked him and convicted him through that servant. He says, Isn't she the wife of Uriah? Another check. But he continued to go forward. He brought her in. He had the nerve to talk about her husband. It had to be another check. How many checks did David get before he went too far and he found himself in sin? You see, as a Christian, we have no excuse. The Spirit nails me every time. But too often we say, wait, 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 a little longer. Wait, that's okay. Don't get up tight. Don't freak out. I can handle it. Let him that thinketh, he standeth, take heed lest he fall. But he's not only without excuse disobeying the Spirit, but he has an option regarding his disobedience. Verse 6 quotes Proverbs 334. Peter 5 5 also quotes it. He has this option. First, to resist the grace of God, which is more than sufficient because of his pride underline more grace it's like this the position that you and I find myself in or the position the carnal Christian finds him or herself in God gives them more grace that's necessary to overcome your father sends you your wife sends you you send your wife to the store to buy something it costs 9.99 you give them a hundred dollar bill more than sufficient No excuse. You can't come back and say, well, I didn't have enough money. You can say, well, I didn't want to break that $100 bill. It's nice and crisp and it's brand new and I I, I was hoping you'd give it to me. But you can't say you didn't have it. More than sufficient. And so the first choice he has is to resist the grace of God and many do. Galatians 6 says, we reap and we sow. God will not be mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Much like Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. They had property, they sold it. They wanted to give the appearance that they were spiritual and they gave everything to the Lord. Now make perfectly sure that you read that context. The, Peter says, you weren't required it, it was in your hand, you chose to give it. So God didn't strike them dead because they didn't give money. God struck them dead because they were hypocrites and they were saying something they really didn't do. And so Peter said, "Ananias, was that that your land? He says, yeah. He said, did you sell it? Yeah. Did you sell it for X amount of money? Yeah. Then you said you gave it all? Yeah. Boom, crispy critter. Drag them out. I wonder how many of us would stand this morning if God would do the very same thing in this auditorium. I myself would be afraid. I might not stand. His wife came in afterwards, being private to it. The very same men that took and dragged your husband away are at the door, ready to take you. Now Ananias and Sapphira were Christians. But they had been grieving the Holy Spirit. Now sure it wasn't just a one-time deal to such an extent that God took them home. Do you know that God will deal with you so severely that if He needs to, He will take you home? I wonder how many Christians have gone home Because of sin. Paul the Apostle tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11:30 some of you are sick and some of you are dead because you are walking in sin, not discerning the Lord's table. You're walking in sin and then you have the nerve to come and partake of the Lord's table. See, God doesn't mess around, He means business. Carnality is dangerous, it's deadly. Look, I don't know what you're into this morning, man. But God says one thing, knock it off. He loves you too much. And He loves you so much, He will take you home. He will take you home if you continue in your carnality. And that's a form of love that we do not understand sometimes. The positive option is to receive the grace of God. But the only way we can do that is, like he says, to humble ourselves. The Scriptures declare in Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen that God will honor only a broken and contrite spirit. That which is truly repentant. Matthew 5, 3, enforces, blessed are the poor, for they shall be filled. Poor of poverty of spirit, poor in spirit, those that recognize that they have nothing worthwhile in coming to God, but they are saved by grace. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn over their depravity, their wretchedness. And they realize, and they stay close to Jesus Christ. You had two men going to the temple to pray. You had the religious ruler. And he lifted it up his eyes. He says, oh God, I thank you. I'm not like this man looking on the publican. The publican didn't even dare to look up. And he looked down and he hit himself on the chest. He said, Lord, be propitious. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, that man prayed to himself, that other man, he walked away justified. He humbled himself. He received the grace of God. He entered the throne of grace boldly to find help in time of need. For the scriptures declare that the eyes of the Lord are open unto the righteous, and his ears are open to hear their prayers. But the Lord is against those who do evil. David, It's called a man after God's own heart. Psalm 51, read it. Broken, contrite spirit. Lord, against you and only you have I sinned. The greater sin is in sinning and not making it right. To what extent are you controlled by your flesh? Are you living in a continuous state of carnality? Satan offered to Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and he turned them down. What are you selling out for? A foxy little girl? What are you selling for, money? You're selling out cheap, man. You need to consider the cost. You need to repent from your carnality if you're there. Because God loves you very much. The carnal Christian is dominated by his sin nature constantly. The carnal Christian is drawn to the world, straddling the fence. And the carnal Christian is always disobeying the Holy Spirit, which is there to warn him and to draw him to God. If you find yourself in that position this morning, My prayer is that you repent. I don't need to know what you're into, but you need to tell God. And He says He will pour out more grace than is necessary for your restoration. If not, you run the chance that He will deal with you severely because He loves you. I hope it doesn't have to come to that. But if that's the way it has to be, so be it. God is not the author of Confucian and God will not be mocked. But He wants to bless you so. He wants to use you so. He wants to fill you so. I pray that you open your heart to Him who is able to make you stand.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese illustrating the consequences the sin nature breeds when the believer chooses living in carnality over a life in the Spirit. Today on Simple Truths. Now, just before we close, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled Marks of Carnality are available, as always, on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title you'll want to ask for is Marks of Carnality, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485.